0: This podcast is a presentation of Nags Head Church, reaching people to discover life in Christ. Stay tuned and visit us on the internet at nagsheadchurch.org.
1: How many of you saw that last Saturday night during the football game? You're watching the Patriots and the Broncos play, and the the time came for a commercial, a timeout in the game, and you're expecting Bud Light, and you got God talking about John 3.16. The whole world caught attention to that. In fact, I heard Monday morning on the news that during the game, after the showing of that commercial, there were 100 million hits online of people searching John 3.16, trying to find out what is this all about. I thought that was amazing. We're, we're living in a time right now, there's been kind of a phenomenon take place, um, Uh, in our culture and in our nation with John 3.16, and and that was part of it. And I think it kind of got started because of a football player, a guy named uh, Tebow, Tim Tebow, who is a Christian and a very, very unashamed of his faith and, and played, I remember when I watched him play when he was with the Florida Gators in college and he would have these things underneath his eyes and he'd have scripture. Sometimes he'd have John 3.16 and other times he'd have John three three and different scriptures, Sam, like, like he's got there. And, and, and now that he's gotten in the NFL and of course his whole season has been something everybody's been talking about because it's just been really different how that worked out with him. And uh, you couldn't get on the the news shows, you couldn't turn on the talk radio, uh, the sports talk radio without listening to them talk about Tim Tebow, not only as the player, but as the Christian. And the whole world started wondering, what's this John 3.16 stuff? It's been a phenomenon that's been kind of great. In fact, we've piggybacked on top of it as a church this past week. We started our own website called WeBelieveJohn316.com. You can send anybody there. It's there for the whole world to see, and if you click on and go onto that website, we encourage you to share that with your friends through email and Facebook and what have you. We believe John3.6.com. They go on there, and there's, a, there's actually a page where they can, people can read an explanation of what John 3.16 means and an invitation for them to believe it. Uh, So, because of that, we decided, look, let's take this Sunday and let's talk about this verse. Kind of step back from our series that we're in and talk about what John 3.16 is all about. So, uh, here's something that you can do this morning. And, Jimmy, we're going to skip that text with the verse on it, okay? We're going to not go to that. Here's something you can do, though. There's a a phone number uh, that you can dial... Yeah, right there. If you have a, during the course of the morning, write that number down somewhere in your notes. And during the course of the, of the morning, if you have a question about something that we say or something that's in the verse, you want to ask that question. If you'll text that number. We're going to come back later this morning after we finish and we're going to try to answer your questions. We did it at the last uh, gathering. Hopefully we'll have time to do it again today. And so you might say, well, I didn't bring my cell phone in with me this morning or I don't have one. You can use your communication card and uh, write your question out on the card and then drop it in the offering ba- uh, bag when it comes by later and we'll use that as well. So a couple ways that you can ask us some questions. I have this morning up here with me, uh, my friend, Sam Knight. Sam's a partner in our church and, and, uh, Sam loves the Lord and, and, uh, guy that understands the Word of God and, and has some, a lot of theological training. I won't call you like I, last time I called him the resident theologian, and he kind of said, man, that means I'm a really boring guy. Um, but I've invited Sam. We're going to have a little conversation today, and we're going to invite you to, to listen in as we talk about John 3, 16, the verse has kind of captivated everybody's um, attention. Sam, why is it, and, and, and kind of follow along your outline, because we're going to have some major points in here you can follow along with, but the first thing is, why is it so important to hear and understand this verse? You know, this, everybody's talking about, and we believe it's an important thing. Why is that? Thanks, Rick.
0: I was reading about John 3.16 this week, and I came across this statement. John 3.16, not only is the first verse that most folks memorize from the Bible, but it was described as everybody's verse. Yeah.
1: Everybody knows John 3.16. The guy in the baseball, behind the the you know the batter's box behind at the World Series, the he's big John hair. 3.16 with the big hair, yeah.
0: yeah. John 3.16. Let Billy me... Graham quotes this verse yeah, all the sure. time. Uh, a personal story. When I was in high school, it began to dawn on me that if I really knew Jesus, that it should make a difference in the way that I lived Monday through Saturday. And one of the ways that should be different is I should be willing to tell other folks about my faith in Christ. Well, I played football. I was a cornerback and a tailback. And uh, I had in front of me on defense... Got off the bench, the coach said, get your tailback. (laughs) Yeah, that's true, too. uh, I had a guy in front of me by the name of Curtis Brooks. Curtis was a terrific athlete, and we spent several years playing on the same side of the field in defense and and really enjoyed playing with Curtis. And I thought, well, he's a a buddy of mine, and we've done preseason practice, and we've sweated and bled together. I ought to share with Curtis what it means to be a Christian. So one one afternoon after practice, I said, Curtis, uh, I'm a Christian. And I'd love for you to be a Christian. And and Curtis, well, yeah, sure, that's great. Uh, What does it mean? And I said, "Uh, I knew I was one. I knew that somehow my sins had been forgiven and that I was going to go to heaven But I I found it very difficult to explain in a very simple way this great news, the good news of the gospel. Well, When we look at John 3.16, we see the the gospel in a nutshell. It's a very simple, clear way to express the basic content of our faith, the thing that gets me out of darkness into light and out of death into life. Uh, and, And because it's such a popular verse and it's on TV and Tebow is such a, 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 a controversial, a compelling figure. It's an easy way to, to have an, an end to share our faith. It's a, a, an opportunity, if you will, in sharing our faith if we simply understand this amazing verse. Everybody's favorite.
1: This verse, it just kind of doesn't stand alone. I mean, it's it's this this verse is. Uh, in the middle of the third chapter of John. And it's part of a conversation, isn't it, Sam? Can you kind of tell me, tell us a little bit of the, the context of Jesus' words, what, what, what was happening here when he said this verse, uh, this, this phrase that we know as John 3.16? Yeah.
0: Jesus is involved in his public ministry. People are listening to his words, and they're watching what he does. And uh, probably the major religious sect of the day was a group of guys called Pharisees, and they were the religious heavyweights. They were the guys that knew the law of God and and interpreted the law of God. And uh, they were the ones committed to doing everything the law says. One of them, one of their leaders was a guy named Nicodemus. Nicodemus was in the Sanhedrin. That was the Supreme Court of Israel. Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night in this unhurried, perhaps relaxed uh, opportunity away from the crowd. Nicodemus has something on his heart. In all these years, I've been keeping the law, and I want to connect with God. I want to gain entrance into His kingdom. How do I do this? And here you have this stunning conversation in which Nicodemus finds out that his way, which is keep the law, do something, earn it. Jesus is going to say, that's not the way into the kingdom. The way into the kingdom is a new birth, and it involves believing in Jesus. So it's this clash of religion that says, do something, and this amazing proclamation of the Lord Jesus that says, accept something. Do versus, if you will, done. God did it. That's the context, the conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus.
1: Okay. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to take the verse that you probably know, and you heard those children say a little while ago. We're going to break it down word by word. And go through it with you. And so I hope you're following along in your notes. Uh, the first point before we get to the first word is this. We're going to break it down to a couple sections. Section number one is very simply this. God loves you. But And write this beside that after God loves you because uh, there's a little bit more to that. God loves you and did something to prove it. You know, it's one thing to say I love you to somebody, but words, talk is cheap, you know. Um, it, it, love is expressed in actions. God did something. Well, first of all, God. Who is this God that Jesus was talking about? Well, Jesus wasn't talking about some God that he didn't know anything about. He's talking about a God he knew a whole lot about. In fact, there were many times in Jesus' conversations and in his teachings where he claimed himself to be God. He said things like, I and my Father are one. We are the same. He said things like, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so Jesus made claims. He made it very clear. There wasn't any doubt about it. He, he was God. But he's speaking here about God the Father. We believe, as we just sang a moment ago, we believe in the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He's thinking of God in his, in his fatherhood. He's talking about this first person of the Trinity, the God who is also, for Nicodemus, the God of the Old Testament, the God of Abraham, and the God of Jacob, and the God of of Moses, and the God of David, this God, he says, this is the God I'm speaking of, not any other God, I'm talking about the creator God, as you know him, Nicodemus, so he's talking about this one God, not a generic term, by the way. He's not talking about the God that this religion believes or that religion believes. He's not talking about the God of religion. He's talking about the one and only God and the Father because we know he's speaking of a father because he said in a moment he'll send his, his son. So, God. Then there's that next little word, Sam. Take us into that word, that little tiny word, so. Yeah, I love that word, so. So what? So, so what? There's a couple
0: ways to understand that little word, so. And uh, you'll catch on real quickly. It'll make sense to you. The, the first idea, I would think in the terms of, of this word magnitude. How great does God love me? He so loves me that He sent His Son to die for me. So it's the concept of His great love. Kind of like, love. you love me so much. So much. Okay. Yeah, so much. So it's, it's magnitude, the great love of God. Now, the, the second way you can understand it is manner. Now, the Holman Christian Standard Bible says it this way, For God loved the world in this way. He gave His one and only Son. So it's the idea of manner. This is how God proves His love. This is what He did. He sent His Son. I told you about Curtis. One of my other high school buddies that I played ball with was a guy named Jesse. When I went to Carolina, uh, I began to to learn how to share my faith. And one day I was walking across campus and and Jesse was there. He went to a different school, but he was there that day dressed in black, and he had joined a group called the Black Panthers. That's back in the late 60s. And, uh, Jesse, how you doing? And he didn't seem to be as happy to see me as I was to see him. His life had changed a lot. So we went inside uh, one of the cafeterias, and we had a, had a soda, and I began to share, you know, Jesse, something's happened in my life, and I'm different. And, and I've learned this incredible truth about God's love, and, and I want my friends to know the love that I know. And uh, Jesse looked at me and said, well, I've changed too. And he talked about his new commitments politically. And he made this observation, don't talk to me about love. I need to see love with skin on it. Mm. That's a great observation, don't you think? Mm -hmm. Well, Mike, that's what this verse is about. God is basically saying, I'm going to show my great love. I'm going to prove my great love by putting skin on it he sent his son, okay. that's the idea of so.
1: He loved the world, all right, so when, when he says, God so loved the world, um, what's he talking about here, the world, is he talking about the planet, you know, the earth, you know, with its trees and mountains and streams, it's almost like, if that's what it is, are we saying here that God was the very first tree hugger, you know, he's, is that who God was and God is? Is that, what, when he says he loves the world, is he talking about the planet? Yeah, yeah. in some
0: context, he is talking about the planet, but in this context, he's talking about God's relationship to people. And later, he'll modify the world, which is a big phrase for everyone, to a more personal word, whoever. And that kind of makes us go from everyone to each one. So here he's talking about people. And who are the people? Well, if I were to, to try to understand the basic message of the Bible about people... There are three words that picture who we are, and this chapter and this verse are going to address those concepts. What's the first thing the Bible says about us? Well, it says we're made in the image of God, Genesis 1 and 2, right? And that would be creation, creation. And then the second big idea in the Bible about who we are is the fall in Genesis 3 when Adam sinned, and that's called degeneration. We're not Adam drawn up. We're the wreckage of Adam. Something happened to the human race. Sin infected us, and we are the degeneration. We're marred. Uh, That's the word that he's going to use, shall not perish. That word's actually marred. And it, it has the idea of eternal punishment and death and separation. So the second big word is degeneration. And in this chapter, the wonderful third word is, Rick, Regeneration. Jesus calls it being born again or born from above. And I share with the folks uh, in the first service that we often live lives of must. You know, I'm single and I can't be happy unless I'm married, so I must be married. Or I'm chunky and my life would be better if I were thin, so I must lose weight. There's lots of must that we have. Jesus says there's one must in life. And he says it to this Nicodemus, this good example of a good human being who keeps the law. He says to him, Rick, you must be born again. The world he loves is the world of men. And we are sinners separated from him. He loves us,
1: wants us to become Children of the Father, so He loves us because we're His creation. Then there was that word degeneration, and mm-hmm. then regeneration. So mm-hmm. if I can tag on that, I can say God's motivation for this verse is because He loves us. Yeah, yeah He desires that. Um, okay. Uh, then it says that He so loved, and uh, that love, by the way, you know, we have when we talk about love, we have all kinds of love. I love, I love. You know, we have a romantic love. You know, I love my my wife, my I love my wife, you love your, whoever fits in your life, okay? Um, I don't love your wife. I love my wife. Um, um, I, I love, um, I love uh, French fries. You know, we, we have, the word love fits in a lot of context for us. You know what I mean? Is this word for love here, is it similar to those words, or is it something different, would you say?
0: Yeah, it, it's something different. Uh, most of our experience of love has tags behind it. I love you if. Uh, For some men, they have this tragic view of life that says to their wife, I love you if you stay thin and beautiful and young. Or some wife might say, I love you as long as you're successful and earn a lot of money. And and while we take vows that say for better or worse, most of the time we live if and because Hmm. or since. Okay. that 's not the love Jesus is talking about he 's talking about unconditional love it 's if you will, not a love if or not a love because it 's a love in spite of wow. no matter who you are what you 're like, God chooses to set his love on us that 's the love he 's talking about unconditional love
1: yeah so you're talking about you know I, I love you if you know if you 're my friend I love you sure. I love you if you 're in my family, I love you yet the love that that this speaks of Jesus, and he speaks of God having this love is not a love necessarily for his friends. In fact, Jesus said in John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. And you can think of instances, you know, I think of, stories from the wars, you know, where where a guy would, would throw himself upon a, a grenade that was thrown into the, the foxhole with his buddies and he would jump on the grenade and take the explosion himself to save his buddies. That's tremendous love. Jesus said there's no greater love than to give up your life for somebody else. And and you might think I would do that for my I would do that for my family. I do that for my children. I do that for my spouse. Not too many people I would do that for. God takes it one more step in the whole scheme of things. And he says, I'll love you even if you're not my friend. If you look at this next verse that we have, Romans 5, 7 and 8, the Bible says, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, for a really, really good man. You know, it's rare that somebody would die for him. Though for a good man, some might possibly dare to die, like in the battlefield scenario. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. This is how God showed us his love. While we were still sinners, stop right there. That means not good, not righteous. There was nothing lovable to God about us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, in that verse, God so loved the world, the next thing is that he gave and it seems to be saying there, Sam, that God extended a gift. Here's what trips a lot of people up, because a lot of people have this notion, like Nicodemus did, that I've got to earn this everlasting life. I've got to earn this relationship with God. I've got to do. I've got to be good. I've got to obey. I've got to, you know, mind my P's and Q's. I've got to go to church and do all these things. And that sounds more, instead of a gift, that sounds like something I earn. What's the difference between grace, which is a gift, and works, something that we earn? Can you give any thought on that?
0: Probably the simple idea is deserved versus undeserved, uh, earned versus gift. Uh, When I think of uh, works, I think of gift. Um, Scott and Katie are are great cooks, right? Right.
1: L- I understand that Katie is incredible with cupcakes. I, yeah. I've heard that lately. We had a class, and she kept bringing all this good stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember that. That's how you got so chunky. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs>
0: that's part of it. That's part of it. Thank you. Um, let's suppose that uh, they're, they're looking at us today, and they're saying, you know what? I, I think it'd be nice to invite uh, Sam and Rick over to, to lunch Because we afternoon. did such a good job here. in them know, We lunch. must be hungry. And Let's go to lunch, and uh, they have all the best things that the Black Pelican can provide. They have all the greatest recipes, and he cooks it himself, and it's just a scrumptious, wonderful lunch that they've invited us over and, and, uh, as an expression of, of their grace to us. Thank you for doing that. After... We eat. Are you giving hints to anybody, by the way? Absolutely. I hope so. I hope so. After after lunch, we say, well, Scott, listen, thank you a lot, buddy. Here's some, let let me give you some money for for the food. He wouldn't expect that. That would be an insult to his kindness. He's offering a gift. I don't deserve it. I enjoy it, and I celebrate it, and I appreciate it. But I didn't earn it. When GMAC puts money in my bank account every two weeks, I'm grateful, but I worked for that. I have some sense of accomplishment. I did this for myself. I can't do anything to earn God's favor. It's,
1: it's grace. It's a gift. In fact, take us to that next verse that fits right in there, Sam, Romans 6.23.
0: Yeah. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin, something that's earned, the wages of sin is death. Separation from God. For the wage of sin is death, but here's the contrast. The gift of God is eternal life in a person, in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, as you're following our thought process, the the next idea is that God's Son Jesus died to change our lives forever. And Rick and I are going to take a few moments to think about God's Son. If you memorize this verse like I did 50 years ago, 55 years if you memorize this verse about 60 years ago like me, <laughs> then you memorize it this way probably, that whosoever believeth in Him, the only begotten Son of... Remember that only begotten? Well, that's from a word that means basically one of a
1: kind unique. So it's His one and Single, only song. One
0: and only is probably the better way to understand it. That's the, the, the translation we have today, one and only unique. What's unique about Him? Well, He, he seems to, to, to take us in a whole different direction as we understand what God is like. In John chapter 1, it says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And the word dwelt there, Tom, means pitched His tent. Jesus camped out with humans, with us, and that was God putting skin on His love. God putting skin on it. And, and think about this: Do you love to see babies? I, I do. I have two grandbabies now. I'm excited. i got two grandbabies. got pictures. You? I love my grandbabies. Do you love to show your pictures? And, and I love to. I love to hold them and, and shake them and and talk to them and all those guys. So, how did God enter the human race? Not with this amazing fanfare. He came as a baby in a manger. And he suggests to us the the humility of God. I'm just going to camp out with the regular folks and the inviting, approachable nature of who God is. I want you to come to me. There's not this sense of fear and scare. There's this sense of, of love and invitation and grace. That's Jesus. Now, it says the Word, always existing, became flesh. He, he became a man. Why did that happen? There's some ideas as to why he had to be God and man. Would you like me to talk a bit about why God and man, or do you want to? Yeah, you can do that. Okay. okay. Yeah, go right ahead. Okay. Why did he have to become man? Who sinned? We man do. did. Who has to pay the price? We do. Man does. Um, can God die? No. <laughs> no. God can't die. When Jesus became flesh, He became one of us, so as one of us, He can pay the price. And because He has this human nature, He can die. But Why did He have to be God? Why did God have to become flesh? Well, for one thing, a sacrifice for sin has to be what, folks? Perfect. Someone said it. Perfect. Sinless. Without sin. Who amongst us is without sin? <laughs> One person was without sin, and that's Jesus. So he qualified to be the sacrifice because he's sinless. And by the way, his sacrifice has to have significance. It has to be applicable to to anyone and everyone for all their sins. It has to have infinite value. Who among us is infinite? The God-man is infinite. Jesus is. So he, he, he perfectly
1: connects. Okay? The next word, God. The next word um, in, the, uh, in the verse is whoever. Whoever. God so loved the world, he gave his only one and only son that whoever. And that speaks about how large this invitation is. That's why the whole nation and probably internationally has been captured by the curiosity of this verse. God knows, by the way, who's going to believe, and he knows who's not going to believe. I, I don't know that. Again, because I have a finite mind, that's not for me to know, but God knows. But this word who, whoever tells us that this offer of God's Son to to us is to everyone. It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter what continent you live in. doesn't matter your class or your culture. It's whoever. And we know it's universal around the world because he said he loved the world. He didn't just love the little tiny nation of Israel. He loved the whole world and whoever in the world. So it's not limited. In fact, the Bible tells us that if you read the book of Revelation and they give these scenes of what it's going to be like in heaven in the book of Revelation, John said there will be in heaven, there will be people there from every tongue, every language, every tribe, That means every race, every group, every continent will be represented in heaven. There will be people from everywhere in the world who will have heard this gospel and who will believe this and find themselves in heaven forever and ever. So the invitation is universal. Whoever... But the acceptance is different, isn't it, Sam? The acceptance has to be individual. It has to be personal. So what does that invitation then, and the next verse, believes, tells us what yeah. it requires. What does it require to receive the invitation? Yeah, it, it's
0: whoever believes in him. That means, Mike, you know my story? For those of you who don't know, There's a lot of failure in my past, a lot of things in my past to be shamed for, but I'm one of the whoever, and Jesus says to some guy like me that there is more grace in his heart than there is sin in my past. Hmm. And here's how you can receive it. Believe. This incredible, simple message, believe. The word believe means to trust. Trust in me. You receive eternal life. Um, Jesus illustrates this for uh, Nicodemus, a man who knew the law. In the verses prior to it, he talks about the time when the people of Israel uh, were grumbling in the desert and uh, because of their grumbling, God sends these fiery serpents among them. When those serpents bit them, they died. Snakes. The snakes, yeah. The, when the snakes bit them, they died. And in their horror and in their uh, terrific situation, they say to Moses, pray to God for us. And, and Moses prays, and God says, here, here, here's the solution. Make a bronze snake, put it on a post, Lift it up. And when the people look at that serpent, when they look at this serpent. On the, on the post. On the post, they'll be delivered. Just look at it. And Jesus said, like that serpent was lifted up, he was going to be lifted up. It's, it's just look and live. It's that simple. Trust that Jesus paid the price for my sin. It's not faith plus something, trust plus something. It's faith alone trusting that Jesus paid for my sin. How many times have they
1: had to look at that? <laughs> one time. Kind of reminds just, me of... just one look. Yeah, it's a song, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, just, just one, one look. look. Maybe, yeah. Just one look. Maybe we need to sing that song in church. Yeah, we, yeah,
0: we, we make it um, too difficult. It's simple. Trust Jesus. Uh, when I came in this morning uh, to, to share with you folks, I, I saw this stool behind me. I moved it up here, and what did I do? I just sat down in it. I just trusted it.
1: So I rested all of my girth on this chair. All right, well, here's the next yeah. verse. Sam yeah. says that we believe, but it says we have to believe in him. And, and, and I want, want, want us to be really clear about that because a lot of people will say, I've asked, talked to a lot of people about faith. And, and I've heard a lot of people say, well, I believe in God had a guy a couple of weeks ago, just a few weeks ago here, who'd been attending our church, and he came up to me and he said, so you're telling me that to be a part of Nags Head Church, you have to believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior. Is that correct? And I said, yeah. He goes, well, I don't, I, don't, I don't know that I believe that, but I do believe in God. Here it says pretty specific that whoever believes in him, him being the son, one and only son. So can you talk about... This, the object of our belief? Yeah, our, our faith, Rick, our faith
0: isn't in faith. Our faith is in Christ. It has an object. Our faith is only as good as the object. Uh, I, uh, so, in other words, if your faith is in that chair to hold you up. And it's out a balsa wood. <laughs> I'd be in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Yeah, the chair, my faith isn't holding me up. What is? The chair. The chair is. Yeah. Not my faith, but the chair is holding me up. My faith is only
1: as good as the object of my faith. And God said it had to be in him. In fact, look look at the, take take us to those next couple verses there, Sam. Here's
0: here's what Jesus says about
1: this subject. He says, I am the way and
0: the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's Jesus talking. It's Jesus talking. He is basically saying to, uh, I think it was Thomas and the disciples, without me there's no going. Without me there's no knowing. Without me there's no living. Jesus is the key. He's the way. He goes on, uh, or it's set off him in Acts chapter 4, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Jesus Asserts, and those who knew him said, "He's the only way." And what's this benefit in believing in him? Well, the next phrase says that if they believe in him, they shall not perish. That sounds pretty ominous. Yeah,
1: Rick. Yeah, and this what, is what's the idea? Well, this and by the way, the shall not perish. This is a promise, right? If you believe in me, the Son of God, he said, "I promise you this: you shall not." perish. Perish is a word that means death. Um, it's interesting that, that Jesus, uh, we know that he believed in hell. Uh, in fact, he taught, he taught and talked more about hell in his time on, in ministry than he did about heaven. He talked a lot about hell. If we go back to that verse that we read a few minutes ago in Romans 6.23, remember what it said? It said, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is the opposite. It gives you eternal life in Jesus Christ. He doesn't want anyone to perish. The Bible says God's not willing that any should perish. God wants everyone to have eternal life. And so in order to provide that, he had to die, Jesus did, as our substitute in our place on the cross. God gave his son, so if we believe in him, we don't perish. And then there's another promise that immediately follows that. The next little Part of that verse it says, "But have eternal life." There's another promise. How, and by the way, how long is eternal? How long is everlasting? I, I like you memorized that as a little boy, and you used the word everlasting life. How long is everlasting? Somebody tell me. It's it's a no-brainer. It's what forever. Yeah, everlasting life. Now, how do I know I have eternal life? You know how, how do I know that? Well, you know, that's a big question. And, uh, and uh, Sam's going to talk about that in just a moment. Because uh, a lot of people say, well, I, you know, you ask a lot of people this. Um, uh, when you die, you're going to go to heaven. A lot of people say, I hope so. I'm trying my best. That's not what this verse says to do. And then you ask people that say, yeah, I'm going to heaven. How do you know you're going to heaven? And people say, because I'm trying my best. You know, how do you know? Because I just feel like something good is about to happen. You know, because I just feel, I got this bubbly, warm feeling whenever I go to church and I hear you preach because I know I'm going to, you know, baloney, you know, it's not about a warm, fuzzy feeling, Sam. Um, uh, Jesus said in his last conversation with his disciples that before he was arrested and he's tried and he's crucified in John chapter 14, where that, that verse you read a few moments ago comes from, he said, hey guys, he says, I'm getting ready to leave you and I'm gonna go to my father's house and there I'm going to prepare a place for you where you'll be with me forever. Sam, are, some verses that maybe point that out to us in Scripture.
0: In in John chapter 5, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who has sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. And I love this next phrase, folks. He, the one that believes has crossed over from death to life. In 1 John, we have these words, He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. So that you may know. No, And it's a present tense, right now, possession, isn't it? When we think of eternal life, there's two concepts in the Bible. Uh, one is under the... I'm going to give you two words. Uh, the first word is intensive, something inside. Jesus said that he came that men might have life and have it more abundantly so that the moment i trust him the very life of god is given to me i am from adam's race if you will stillborn spiritually i'm dead in my sins when i trust in jesus and jesus alone i'm made alive that's that's the intensive part i have the life of god in me Now. Rick just mentioned, shall not perish. The idea is that never perish, but this gift of life is going to ensure that I will be with Him forever. Forever and forever. It's, if you will, extensive. It never ends. I like that. I want that in chocolate. I want that in chips. I want that in ice cream. What (laughs) I really want. It's the desert for my soul that says, I'm not going to remember your sins. I'm going to see you in Jesus. And this is what I'm going to give you that never ends. Eternal life. That's what I'm desperate
1: for. That's what Nicodemus was really
0: desperate for.
1: All right, so it sounds to then that this, that this eternal life, this next point, it says it can begin today, right now. Maybe you don't know, you're here today, and maybe, you've, maybe you've never heard anything like this. Um, maybe you're kind of like Nicodemus and you've been thinking your whole life, the only way I'm going to get to heaven is if I'm a really, really good boy, really, really good girl. And you know, because you know your life and you know the mistakes that you've made and the failures that you've had, you know, that disqualifies me. And maybe you can't say that you've ever put your faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone for salvation. I, I hear some people say, Yeah, I believe in Jesus and I also believe in this or that. It's kind of Jesus said, No, 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 I'm the only way. It's only through me. So maybe you can take that verse, John three sixteen verse, Sam, and and we could, you know, if you just kind of read that and, and we could put our own names in there, that would sound something like what? How would that go? Well, for me,
0: for me it would mean for God so loved Sammy. Sammy. That's me. When I was five years old, I heard this verse. God so loved me. You could put your name there. That he gave his one and only son that if Sammy, if Tom, if Kit, if Seth, put your own, if they believe in him, they, that is each one of us, my name, Sammy, shall not perish. I'll give him eternal life. A great theologian said that the impact of this verse is that God loves each one of us as though there was only one of us to love.
1: Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment and close your eyes? Uh, and Maybe today you're here and you've already done that. But maybe you haven't. Maybe you've never put your faith completely in Jesus Christ. Maybe you've been resting in a church or a religion or a hope that maybe God's not even there and he's not paying attention to you. He pays attention. He has paid attention so closely to us that he gave his son Jesus to die for us. Have you already by faith believed in Jesus as God's gift to you for salvation? And if so, like Jesus explained to Nicodemus, If you have believed him, then you've been given a new and eternal life by God. But if you haven't, and there may be someone here today that has not. And that's good that you're here today. We're glad. If you haven't, you know, you can do that this very moment. It's just a matter of believing and receiving. Jesus said, whoever, put your name in there. That's you. That means you and me. He said that if anyone in another place, he said, if anyone comes to me by faith, he said, He said, I'll never turn that person away. So it doesn't matter what you've done. His grace, I love the way Sam said it, his grace is greater than my past. So I'd like to right now just have a word of prayer and pray for you, because maybe today you're believing this for the very first time. If you are, I'd love for you to tell us about it, by the way. Or maybe you're at least going to say, you know what, I'll consider this. I've never thought about this, never heard this before. I do want to think about this because it's rather compelling, to, and, and I want to chew on this a little bit more, but I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, this is an incredible verse. Uh, just this one little verse. And Lord, if, there was, if we, all the rest of the Bible was burned up and gone, and all we had was this verse, there would be enough here, I really believe, for the whole world to know you. And there may be somebody right here in this room that ha- does not yet have that kind of faith, that has never trusted in you, Jesus, completely and totally as Savior. And maybe they're right now doing that, and, and, or maybe they're considering that. I just want to pray for that, that man, that woman, that, that teenager, whoever it might be, that you'll open his or her heart to this truth, to your love that was so great and the invitation is given to everyone, yet, Lord, we need to respond individually. Thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Sam, you got a question for me. I have a question. So if you just believe, you go to heaven,
0: not perish. Yes. Uh, so, so why do anything else? Do good works, baptisms, etc. Do these things get you a better place in heaven? Uh, I thought you said good works don't earn you anything. So how do you get uh, a better or the best place
1: in heaven, or or, or do you? Okay, good question. Uh, First of all, I don't think we said good works don't earn you anything. In this context, they don't. We're talking about a verse that talks about how to obtain eternal life. How to establish a relationship with God that lasts forever. Now, we have that relationship by just simply believing. But what about doing good works? What about following the Lord in baptism? What about serving in ministry? What about helping the poor and doing all those things that Christians should be doing? After all, Jesus did talk about those things as well. It's interesting, he made this comment one time. He said, if you love me, keep my Commandments. So what were his commandments? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Now, he wasn't saying, to get to heaven, you have to do these things. To get to heaven, he said, you need to believe. But if you love me, if you want to follow me, then you're gonna enter into this life of serving, not to gain entrance to heaven, but... Is there something better in heaven if I serve him with a life? And the answer to that very briefly is yes. The Bible teaches Jesus did, Paul did, about the fact that there are going to be rewards given out in heaven for those who are there because they believed in him, but they served him. That's why Jesus gave the parable, for example, of the talents. And he said of the three servants, and one squandered what he was given, and then the other two used it, and they did great things with it. And he said, in that day in my kingdom, I will say to that servant, Well done, good and faithful servant. But Paul said there will be people there too as we stand before the judgment seat of Christ who have believed in Jesus. He said, and they will be there. You can read this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. They will be there, but as all their works are piled up and burned, tried by fire, he said, essentially, there will be nothing left. They did nothing to show their faith. They never demonstrated their faith. They never led anybody to Christ. They never served. They never ministered. They just, he said, essentially, they're there by the skin of their teeth, if you will. They're there because they believed, but they've got nothing to show for it, all right? So there is indeed cause to serve, but it's not to earn everlasting life. It's to earn everlasting reward and position in His kingdom, all right?
0: Uh, by the way, one of the passages of Scripture you'd want to study in this question, because it's a great question, is Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8, because that's a question that Paul tackles, I believe, specifically in chapter 6, where it says that, hey, hey Paul, if, if this is what grace is all about, then why do we sin more?
1: Yeah.
0: And what's Paul's answer? That's <laughs> stupid. God forbid. Yeah. May it never be. You're not understanding grace. You lived in volume one, the old man, and now you're living in volume two, the new man. So that's a question Paul thought of. Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8 tackled this kind of a question. All right, one more question well, quickly. May, may I mention one other thing? If we don't get to this one, I'll mention this because yeah. this is... 2 Corinthians 5.10 says we must all, he's talking to believers, appear before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account for the things done in the body, whether good or bad. So he's talking about believers appearing before the judgment seat of Christ. It's it's the the kind of thing like athletes would stand before after an event, and they're going to get rewards based on the things they've done while in the body, good or bad. And, And you should know this, the bad thing that he's talking about there, that word has the idea of useless, mm-hmm. worthless, as opposed to those things that are profitable, How we spend timeless, and valuable. So that it's possible in the Bible, here's my thought on that, Rick. It's possible, Paul says, to have a saved soul and a wasted life. And that's the idea that Paul says in 2
1: Corinthians 5. Do we have time or do you want to? Yeah, very quickly, if you can do this in about one minute or less. One minute or less. All right. Why is it so hard to explain such a simple verse? <laughs> well, it's because I did it. <laughs> and Rick, well, no, because I did it. No.
0: Uh, it really is a simple verse, isn't it? I think it is simple. And it, it, it revolves around some simple thoughts. When you're sharing, I think the hardest thing is to introduce the conversation. Rather than to explain the gospel, that's where my, I begin to rumble when I, I'm thinking about sharing my faith with someone. Uh, but the, the simple idea in the verse is that, you know you need to know something about God. What does the verse tell us about God, folks?: he loves us. He loves us. You need to know something about men, the folks that you and I interact with ourselves. What is our desperate condition? What is, uh, what is our potential destination? What's going to happen to us? Perishing. We're going to perish. Something bad's out there. You need to know something about God's provision. What's the provision? His son. He sent his son. And what's the action? What's the what's the act he's asking of me? To believe. Believe. That's that. I think that's the simplicity. Something about God. Something about me. Something about Jesus. And something about choice. Believe. And that's that's my thoughts. So, If I muddied those waters earlier, I apologize. I think that's the verse. No, I
1: don't think you did. There's one more question. How do we share this verse? And I'll answer this and we'll be done with this part. How do we share this verse with people we wouldn't normally interact with? The answer to that question is you find those people and you begin to interact with them and you build a relationship with them so that you can share this, all right? That's kind of the simple answer.
0: This has been a presentation of Nags Head Church reaching people to discover life in Christ. Visit us on the internet at nagsheadchurch.org.